This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Yes, you need to be brave sometimes, even when you're scared to death. You need to just have that little seed of bravery to move to another country, start the new career, take the class, try something you've never done before. You know, you need to be smart enough to trust your own intuition and get out of your own way and realize that you don't know what you don't know. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Today's guest is Tabitha Coffey, the hairstylist, business coach, author, and Bravo TV star, and she shares with us some serious knowledge and insight about growing your business. So Tabitha has helped countless business owners to rebuild their business, and she has such a passion for helping people succeed. Not only did I get to interview her for today's episode, but Tabitha is also one of our Portrait Masters Conference keynote speakers, and I'm just so looking forward to hearing everything she has to say on September 21st for the conference. Just like the rest of us, Tabitha built her business from the ground up, and it was so interesting to chat with her because just so many of the marketing techniques that she used are 100% relatable and doable for a photography business. All right, let's get started with Tabitha Coffee. Hey, Tabitha, thank you so much for being on the Portrait System podcast with us. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you here, too. It's just, it's such an honor to have you here, and I know you're not a photographer, But from everything I know about you, so much of what you teach and just, you know, who you are as a businesswoman completely relates, whether it's photography or not. Yeah, look, I think it's the creative spirit, right? So photographers are creative beings. As creative beings, we tend to function a different way to many other industries out there. So I really relate to all the photographers out there, what they do, the vulnerability that it takes to be a photographer, to put your work out there, and also the communication with the people that you're working with and all the clients that you have to deal with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, actually, this is, it's kind of funny because I've worked with Sue Bryce since 2012. And I remember way back before Sue Bright's education was born, she was like, 
I want to make this like Tabitha Coffee salon takeover. <laughs> like she, she was like, I want I love you know to help photographers rebuild their business in a way that is sustainable and just you know have like kick-ass businesses just like Tabitha. So it's it's actually kind of funny to have you here and you know that you're going to be a portrait masters conference speaker. Well, I'm honored to be a little bit of motivation <laughs> for Sue and Portrait Masters that I'm very, very grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because the way that the two, I've read your book, Own It, mm-hmm. and the way that the two of you teach, you kind of remind me of each other. It's really interesting. It's like, from what I gather from you, you're kind of like no bullshit. Like, take responsibility for what you want in your dreams and move towards that. Yeah, I have a very low BS meter. And part of it, I think, goes back to being a creative because it's really challenging to put your work out there, right? It it makes you vulnerable and you have to be okay with that vulnerability. You're putting something out there that is going to be judged by someone, right? Whether that's fairly or unfairly. And you need to check in with yourself a lot. And I just think that we don't do that enough as humans and we definitely don't do it enough as business people of being able to say, okay, is this just emotional rubbish that I'm carrying, right, and I'm holding on to it and I'm too scared to put myself out there or too scared to look at what I need to do to move forward or is it a business maybe challenge that I'm facing and I'm not putting my work out there in the right way. I'm not reaching the ideal people that I want to reach or I'm holding myself back in some way because I'm scared. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to always self-evaluate and kind of look at those different parts so that we're working with our business mind but also with our emotional and creative mind. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it seems like it's such a process. And I'm so curious for you. I mean, obviously – you know, you didn't become a celebrity with a TV show and, you know, a few books overnight. (laughs) So, you know, it seems like from what I do know about you, it took a lot of hard work and like grit and determination. Would you mind just kind of sharing with the listeners what it was like for you when you, you know, back before you had the business, you know, how did you push forward when you had that self-doubt? My passion always was stronger than my doubt. Mm. So my passion for my craft was always so much stronger than any of the self-doubt or negative talk that I had for myself. I am so passionate about my industry and so passionate about not just doing hair, but everything that goes into building a business, whether that is within my industry or outside of my industry, empowering people to lean into their creative space and share it with the world and to really get out of their own way. So my career has morphed. Obviously, television was a catalyst for that. But for me personally, I started hairdressing when I was 14 years old. Oh, wow, yeah. And the reason I started was because I was drawn to hairdressing salons. I would go with my mum every week and watch women get their hair done and just see the transformation that happened, not just the physical transformation, but the emotional transformation that would happen. You would see women straighten up a little bit and their shoulders would go back and there'd be a twinkle in their eye and they would feel really great about themselves, even if it was fleeting. You would see that recognition that they felt great about themselves. Mm -hmm. And that was from someone giving them that gift, which was the hairdresser. And I really wanted into that. And that has always been my creative outlet and my creative medium is to work with hair. And the doubt comes in all the time. I mean, none of our careers 
uh, a straight path, there are always mountains that we need to climb. (laughs) And the only way that you can climb them is kind of one step at a time. And you have to really, for me, hang on to that passion to keep driving yourself forward because you don't know where it's going to go. You know, when I was 14 and I started in my industry, I never would have said, oh, I'm going to leave Australia, move to America, have a business, have a television show, be an author. None of those things were on the vision board for me. I couldn't even dream any of those things. They happened by being open Mm-hmm. and letting the path kind of dictate where I was going to go, but always holding true to that passion and my guiding principles. Yeah. I mean, I would assume that you have to be some sort of risk taker because those are some big things to do. I mean, to move from Australia all the way to the States, like that's a big risk. You know, like at what point were you, you know, as you're making these decisions to whether it's open your first salon or, you know, make the move, Did you have the confidence? Were you, you know, scared? Of course. I mean, I'm human. We're all scared. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have fear. You just have to decide that you're going to move through it and not let it paralyze you. Yeah. So that's the key to fear. Mm -hmm. It's always going to show up and it's always going to stop you in your tracks, but you have to make that decision that you're going to move through it anyway, Mm -hmm. even if you're scared. And None of us are confident all the time. We're human beings. We're complex and emotional and, you know, it goes up and down and there's always something to learn. So confidence comes and goes as well. But for me, courage is more important than confidence Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because confidence comes over time, right? It's a muscle like any other muscle. Courage is what you need to get started. And A long time ago when I first started in television and that was a whole new medium for me when I, social media was still really new-ish. In fact, it was MySpace, if anyone is old enough to remember that, which is crazy. Oh yeah, MySpace. (laughs) And, you know, I went down this rabbit hole of reading blogs and reading what people were saying about me. Mm -hmm. And it was really devastating. And... I was very confident in my business and I was very successful and I was confident in my ability as a hairdresser and the work that I was producing, but I was putting myself out there and being on television and letting everyone's opinion kind of run rampant on the internet was really just so devastating and paralyzing to read the things that people were saying about me and the judgments they were making. Mm, I can imagine. And I couldn't get out of the rabbit hole. And I spent a couple of days just dwelling in it and decided that I needed to change that mindset because it would stop me from moving forward. And I didn't want to do that. And I enjoyed this path that I was going down. So I had gone shopping And someone called across the store, oh, my God, you're that bitch on TV. Oh, shit. And I just kind of smiled and kept walking. And then someone else went, oh, my God, you're that bitch on TV. And it kept happening repeatedly. And all these people kept calling me this word, but they didn't know me. Mm -hmm. And in my head, I kept thinking, my God, you could call me a hairdresser, the blonde, the Australian, the loud one. There's so many other things that you could call me. Why are you calling me a bitch? And after reading all these social media posts and this happening repeatedly, I sat down and came up with an acronym for bitch that is 
true to me and how I've always lived my life, which is brave, intelligent, tenacious, creative, and honest. Mm. And they're the tenets that Mm -hmm. I've always put into my life. Yes, you need to be brave sometimes, even when you're scared to death. You need to just have that little seed of bravery to move to another country, start the new career, take the class, try something you've never done before. You know, you need to, for me, intelligence, you need to be smart enough to trust your own intuition and get out of your own way and realize that you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And the only way you will know something is when you try it for the first time. Yeah. I mean, it almost goes back to the title of your book is Own It. I mean- Mm -hmm basically that's what you did, but you own bitch in your own way and making, you know, turning it into something that in your mind, you know, the strong qualities that you have. I love that. You know, of course, we're going to have the self-pity and wallow for a, a couple of days because, you know, it's hard. It's hard when you have some sort of criticism, even like a client who's not happy or a, a negative review or something like that can like really tear someone down. I can't imagine as a celebrity, you know, dealing with everything on the internet, but I, I just, I love that you turned it into something positive. And that's what I encourage everyone to do. It's paralyzing, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when you're putting your best work out there and you really want to please people and you're following your passion and you're doing all of these things. For someone to give you a bad review or criticize you or not like something, it hits us in our heart, right? And in our gut and it, it stops us. So you have to kind of step out a little bit. And that's where... You know, I talk about putting your business hat on, like put your business hat on, look at it from a business point of view. Did I not communicate fully what my intention was? Did I not tell someone exactly what to expect from this? Did I not listen to them correctly, right? And kind of go through the checklist and get out of that emotional place because it's really challenging, but that emotional place is is the paralyzing part because that's when we start to listen to that self-doubt of, oh, I'm not Mm. good enough. I suck at this. No one's going to come to me now. Look at what that person said. Mm -hmm. And we blow it up into something that is so much bigger than what it really is. Oh, absolutely. And how empowering to know that if we just look at what we could do differently, that we're the ones who can make the changes to make things better and it's not up to other people. I mean, it's just so empowering to be able to move forward. Like I've learned from this. I can do better. And the only step that you can take is forward in that mindset. A hundred percent. And we're not going to please everyone. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. Even just accepting that. I'm not going to please a hundred percent of the people a hundred percent of the time. I'm just not. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. No one is going to do that. So you learn from it. What can I do differently? And then you move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you moved from Australia, did you have a salon there that you just kind of closed down and then decided you were going to start again here? No, I actually moved from Australia to London. Ah. So I I left Australia and the plan going forward was to go to London. It's a very Australian thing to do. We go traveling for a year or two and then go back home. So my plan was go to London, get some more training. My dream was to work for Vidal Sassoon. Okay. And that's what I ended up doing. It just turned into a much longer adventure than I had anticipated. So I lived in London for nearly 10 years and then I moved to the US. Okay. Yeah. So there was, yeah, definitely a transition there. Okay. So then what about moving to the States? Is that completely starting over? Because I would assume you would have this great client base. And like you said, Vidal Sassoon, and then all of a sudden you're starting over again. Oh, I started over every move. 
it, yeah. it's a start over and a conscious choice, right, to start mm-hmm. over and kind of reinvent myself and learn, yeah. right, learn more about myself and learn more about my business. When I came to the U.S., it was pretty much the same path as when I went to London. I came to the U.S. with a thought that I was going to probably spend a year and end up back in Australia, and that would have finished my journey. And it didn't work out that way. My mother lived in the US, she'd remarried, and I was living with her in New Jersey. There weren't many people my age in the area that she lived in. Everyone was either married and starting their families, or they were teenagers, college kids. Mm-hmm. So it was really hard to make friends. And I thought, well, you know what, I'll work. I'll get a job and I'll work for a couple of months and I'll make some money and I'll meet some people my own age and have some fun. And then I was going to Thelma and Louise across country and end up in California (laughs) and fly back to Australia, right? That was the plan. And I got a job, started working, didn't actually make a lot of friends in the beginning, but really hustled to build my clientele because I missed doing hair and interacting with my clients is one of my favorite things to do and built this great business. And then life just kind of took over. Yeah. Now, I I know this just from, again, from reading your book that one of the ways you built your clientele was by offering free services. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Because it's very similar to something that, you know, Sue teaches with gift vouchers for photographers. I want people to hear like how you really built your business using almost the same strategy. Sure. So when I came here, I worked in a really large salon. There were around 27 stylists in there. Oh, wow. So it was very, very large. And the rule of the salon was that if someone walked in to get a haircut or a colour service, everyone else got that person before me because I was the lowest man on the totem pole, right? I was the young one. So I didn't have kind of the credibility yet to get that client. So that meant 27 people had an opportunity before I did. And that was a lot of waiting. I also realized that I was incredibly different from everyone else in this town in New Jersey. I had moved from London. I had a really heavy accent. I had a shaved head. We know I'm not a wallflower, so I'm not the quietest girl around. (laughs) I stood out. I didn't look like anyone else. And people took my aesthetic and how I looked as really intimidating and it was challenging. Mm -hmm. So the way for me to get clients was to go out and find them. And I went to every business in town. I went to every mall there was. And I kind of had two buckets. I wanted creative clients that would let me express myself creatively. So they typically were younger clients that were into fashion and hair. But then I wanted bread and butter clients. I wanted clients that would come like clockwork every six, eight, 12 weeks to build my clientele that way and to have balance and sustainability in my business. Mm-hmm. So similar to photography. Right? It's so it really similar. is. <laughs> so I, look, I knocked on doors. I went into businesses. I was really targeted because I knew I wanted both those buckets of clients. So I would go to makeup counters. Mac was quite new at the time. And all the Mac girls were really cool and really expressive. Mm-hmm. So I went to every manager of a Mac counter 
and introduced myself, explained to them that I'd just moved here from London. I worked at Fividel Sassoon. I was a really great hairdresser and I would love to do their hair for free just for the opportunity. There was no catch. Mm -hmm. And then I did the same with the other bucket of clients, which was my bread and butter clients. So I looked at real estate offices and school teachers and moms and anyone that had kind of that community presence, but also a great outreach to recommend me to other people. And I did exactly the same, offered my work for free. Mm -hmm. There are two catches. The first one is a lot of people say no, because they're taken aback and they think it's weird. Right. So you have to be persistent. You have to get over the no. You have to be comfortable with no and realize that a no is just an opportunity for a yes down the road doesn't mean no forever. It just means no, not right now. Love that. Love that. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is you have to deliver. You can't dial it in. If you're doing your work for free, you're giving it away in the bigger hope of getting more clients in, you have to crush it, nail it, exceed expectations and wow them. So they can't stop talking about you. Yeah, absolutely. And they're really the two requirements, right? So Mm -hmm. that's the way I build up my clientele. I did a bunch of free work, but really systematic. And I would recommend that to anyone that does it. Do it systematically. Look at what you're looking for. Who are you trying to build? What are the clients that you're trying to reach so that you're not just randomly giving your work away and your services away to people that aren't the people that you want in your business or to help build your business, right? Mm -hmm. And I have a philosophy and this is just mine. I would prefer to give my work away because I love what I do and I'm really good at it. And I would like to share that with people and make them feel great about themselves and make them happy than discount my work. I will never discount my work Mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. And that's just my philosophy. I never have and I never will. I love this philosophy. (laughs) If I do, let's say I do a $50 haircut, right, and I discount it and it's $25, people don't walk around town saying, oh, my God, I got a $50 haircut for $25. They just say, I got a $25 haircut. Right. They discount you because you discounted you. That's such a good point. Yep, yep. If I give it to you for free, I'm giving you a gift. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's the gift I'm giving you. And I'm giving you all the feels and I'm wowing you and I'm exceeding your expectations and I'm giving you all of these things and you feel like you've just gotten a gift and you're so excited to share that with everyone else. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, and what I love is that you know, you could have whined and complained that I have 27 other stylists, you know, and just not really done anything about it. But you decided like, no, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to find a way. And instead of whining and complaining, you actually were super strategic. You know, like you said, you don't want to burn yourself out just giving away free Mm -hmm. styling to anyone. You know, obviously you're super strategic. And that's just such a smart marketing move. You always have to have clarity, Mm -hmm. right? If you don't have any clarity, you have no roadmap. So you have to be really clear on who is my client, 
Who do I want my client to be? Even if I don't have them yet, who are they? What are they looking for? What do they want? How can I help them? How can I support them? And then build from there, right? So you can't, for me, I go from the top down. I always have the clarity of who, who the person is or what am I trying to achieve. So I start at the top and then I build all the way down and the steps that I need to take to get there. Yeah, it's so smart. And, and like you said, having clarity around what you want in general, once you started doing this, did you find that, you know, people started coming into the salon asking specifically for you? Like, was that something that really helped you just start growing from there? I only got recommendations. So I truly built my business on going out and doing free work and introducing myself to people, networking, making connections. And again, this was a while ago. So there was no social media for that. Right. Right. I think about it now with Instagram and Facebook and all the great social media tools that we have. Those weren't available then. So it really was business cards, face-to-face, shaking hands, right, and standing in front of people. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot to be said for that because people get to know you and they see you straight away and you can have a conversation and you can break down barriers. And, yes, from doing the free work and being strategic with the people that I was reaching out to, then they were telling their friends and their friends were calling and booking appointments with me. Yeah. And I was honest with clients. I'm doing this for free because I just moved here and I need to build my business. Mm-hmm. So if you could go, there's also a key here. You never ask anyone to recommend you to more than three people. Hmm. So if you are saying to someone, recommend me to all your friends, that's great, but you're not giving them a call to action. Recommend me to three people that you think would benefit most from my services because we can all think of three people and it doesn't matter what that service is, right? If I said to you three people that would love to come and sit in my chair, you can think of three people straight away. If I tell you all of your friends, that's overwhelming. Totally, totally. That makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. So you have to give people a call to action. If you can recommend me to three people that you think will really value what I have to offer, that really need my services, and then let it go. And if you see that person again, you ask them to recommend three more friends. It doesn't stop, Mm -hmm. but you just do it in multiples of three. And it's a call to action for the client they feel compelled to do it and it's not overwhelming for them. If you just say, tell everyone, then they feel like they're working for you and they close down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the recommendation started coming in and within eight months, I had a pretty solid book. Wow. Within a year and a half, I was book solid. Yeah, that's so great. That's so great. You brought up so many great points, putting those parameters around like the three. I've never, that's not something I've ever thought of to do just three. Cause like you said, that is overwhelming. It just makes so much sense when you put a number on it. I love that. Yeah. It's so much easier for you. It's so much easier for whoever it is that you're working with and their little language tweaks. They may not seem like a lot, but they make such a difference to whether someone will follow through on that call to action Mm-hmm. or not. And for some clients, they feel embarrassed, right? If they're telling you, I'm going to sing your praises to the world, I'm going to tell all of my friends, 
really all of them? How many friends do you have? <laughs> right? Like it starts to become a lot of them. They're like, oh God, I didn't tell everyone. I feel so bad. I said I was going to do this and I didn't. So it takes the pressure off them as well. And believe mm-hmm. me, they're more than happy to go and share that information with someone. Yeah, for sure. Did those people who you gave out the free service to the first time, did they become, you know, clients who then came and paid or did you continue to do the free and then they talked to more people? It's free once. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to clarify. I had a feeling. Right. And so again, it's being clear, right, and communicating that with people. So it was always, it's free this time because I'm building. I would love you if you enjoy What I did today, you had a great experience. I'd love for you to tell three of your friends. And then next time I see you, here is how we would maintain your hair. Here is what the next visit to me would look like. And here is what it will cost you. Mm -hmm. It's really important to tell them what it would cost them as well, because then they know how much value they got. Right, right. So if we go back to that discount analogy that I talked about, a $50 service, right? that you're giving away for $25, it's not $50 in the client's mind. It's $25. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you give something for free, but you tell them that value, this would have cost you $1,200 if you paid for it, but you got it today for free. And thank you so much for helping me promote my services. They are going to sing it from the rooftops because they got a free service that they're happy with that was valued at $1,200. Right. So they'll embrace the value of what you're doing when you tell them. That's so smart. So smart. You know, sometimes in our SBE members Facebook group, people will say, I'm not getting clients. I'm not getting clients. You know, what am I doing wrong? And I'm like, okay, what are you doing for marketing? And they're like, well, I'm posting on Facebook. And I'm like, okay, that's great. And (laughs) what else are you doing? You know, it's like, it's too passive. Totally. It totally. Right? You, ha- you have to be active in it. So Facebook is amazing. Instagram's incredible. All of those kind of things are great, but you need to be proactive. You need mm-hmm. to get out there. And I, I still believe that face-to-face, if possible, right, or virtual now, we can do Zoom calls, we can do mm-hmm. FaceTime, we can connect with people so we can see each other. That's what I mean by face-to-face, just actually seeing the person that you're communicating with can be so much better for your marketing than just posting something online because it's static. And most of the time when we post, we're not even doing a call to action, right? We're posting something and saying, I do this, I can do this. If you were kind of maybe looking to do this, I could do it for you, but we're not even really (laughs) telling them what it is we're doing, how we're going to make them feel, what the experience is going to look like, and how transformative it can be. Totally. Right? And especially with photographers, you are capturing something most of the time that's really important in someone's life. Doesn't matter what it is, right? Doesn't matter if it's a headshot or a wedding or a baby or a house, you're capturing something that is really important to that person and seeing them in a way that they may not be able to see themselves. Absolutely. So tell them that. It's almost like just, it's always bringing it back to service. What can I do for these people? It's not necessarily, of course, there has to be an even exchange there of, you know, whether it's payment or, you know, just something. But 
I feel like mentally, if we can always bring it back to service and what can I do for you, you know, for my clients that I feel like that can just keep us on track. Yeah. And also how you make people feel, right? That's a really big thing because not only are we exchanging services, right? We're, We're giving our service and the people are giving us money in return, right? So it's a transaction, mm-hmm. but we're also making them feel a certain way. So how are you making them feel? And it doesn't matter what that is, right? Like you have to look at what it is you're doing to make their lives better or ease their pain point, and how do you tell them that? Yeah, absolutely. That's a huge, huge part of it, it seems, is how you make people feel. Because we always say, like, they're not going to remember – necessarily the salon or the studio, they're going to remember how you made them feel. Absolutely. And and it's telling them sometimes, right? We all have pain points. Mm-hmm. So clients sit in my chair, yes, because their hair's grown or yes, because they need their regrowth done. The majority of the time, I would say 95% of the women and sometimes the men that sit in my chair the first thing when I start asking them about their hair is they will say, I want to feel Mm. or Mm -hmm. I feel, right? So sometimes they'll say, I feel tired, I feel bored, I feel whatever it is. I want to feel sexy, professional, younger, modern, fresher, right? They're the words I need to translate that emotion into my service. All of us do it, right? Mm -hmm. I know it's no different if a client comes in and you're taking photographs of them. They want to feel a certain way. Mm -hmm. And it's finding out what it is they want to feel and then translating that for them. You're, you're so right. I'm thinking back to some of the inquiries I get, and it's like, I want to feel beautiful. That's one of the biggest ones. Yeah. I want to feel beautiful. I want to feel sexy. Look, I hate having my photograph taken. <laughs> Most people do. <laughs> More than anything on the planet, right? I can stand in front of a camera for television for hours, and it doesn't bother me. Put me in front of a camera, and it freaks me out, and I freeze. <laughs> That's a natural thing that we have. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are people that love a camera, but a lot of people don't. If someone comes in for a headshot, there's more to it than that. I want to look professional. I want to look attractive. I want to look friendly. Mm -hmm. I want to look trustworthy, right? They're all the things that they want to look so that they can attract then their clients. So find out how they want to feel. Absolutely. And like you said, it goes back to talking to them, you know? So, okay. So, so after you, you know, you said after eight months, you were fully booked. Did you continue on like that? Like at what point, because I know you were on the show Sheer Genius, right? Isn't that Mm -hmm. how you got your TV start? You applied to be on a a show. At what point did you do that? Sheer Genius, I think was around 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And so it was a competitive show. Mm-hmm. where hairdressers competed to win the title of Sheer Genius. It was really, for me, a shake-up. I was in my habit. I had a great business. I was successful. I was an educator. I travelled all over the world teaching other hairdressers. And I needed to do something different to challenge me because life was great, but it was kind of predictable and boring and I 
you know, I knew what was happening. So I wanted something to challenge me and to shake me up a little bit and take me outside of my comfort zone. And that's why I applied to go on Sheer Genius because it was something I'd never done before. My competitive nature kicked in. I figured it, it would be whatever, right? It would be fun. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't really see a downside to it. And I tried out and got accepted to go on. Interestingly, when they told me I was chosen to be one of the competitors, I changed my mind. Oh, really? I said, I don't want to do it anymore. Like, you know, the thrill for me, the thrill was in the chase. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Once you told me I got it, I don't really want it now. <laughs> I don't want to pack up and move away from my family and my partner and my business and, mm -hmm. you know, go in, be sequestered for 12 weeks. That just sounds ghastly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But I'd signed a contract, so I had to go. And the rest is kind of history. So from there, they just really loved your personality and Bravo was like, yeah, we're giving you your own show. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it, that cool? It was, I mean, it, it was really that easy and it isn't that easy for a lot of people. And I recognize that it was clearly something that was meant to happen when Sheer Gen Genius finished, I got a phone call a few months later from Bravo asking me if I'd go into the office. And I was so naive, I guess is the best word, that I thought, oh, they must want me to go in and they're probably going to give me a T-shirt. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for playing. Wait, did <laughs> you win Sheer Genius? I did not. No, I won okay. Fan Favourite, but I did not win Sheer Genius. I mean, that's huge to win Fan Favourite. I'd almost rather win Fan Favourite than win the whole thing. And I mean, unless yeah, totally. it was like $10 million or something. So I honestly thought they were just going to call me in and give me a T-shirt and rip up the contract and say, you know, thanks for playing. It was great. <laughs> and I got in and sat down with the executives and they said, we really like you. Would you be interested in your own show? Wow. What does that feel like? <laughs> it's really surreal. Even as I say it to you, it just, it feels, it feels incredibly surreal to me because it was so easy and most things are not that easy mm -hmm. and that makes me feel incredibly blessed and grateful that that opportunity happened and it was, it was kind of an easy thing that happened and it also makes me feel like it was meant to be. There was a reason why I had my show, why I did that, why I went down this different path. And I've been so really blessed just by the amount of people that I've been able to reach and the opportunities that it's opened up for me yeah. and the people I've helped. I've helped a lot of people and I'm really proud of that. You know, it, it, you don't always get that opportunity to say that and I still speak to a lot of the people that I took over their businesses. I communicate with them still. I see them at hair shows. If I travel, I reach out and let them know that I'm going to be somewhere. And that's really amazing to see their successes and to mm -hmm. see their the change in themselves, but also in their businesses. You know, it's interesting that you say that because this is, I have this in my notes, something I wanted to bring up to you is that you seem like you genuinely want people to succeed. Like this isn't just for a TV show or just, you know, for the fame, like... Oh, God, it's not a TV show. It's so not a TV show for me. Yeah, you can feel it. You can feel it. 
It isn't a TV show for me, and I know that sounds silly because it is a TV show, but it isn't a TV show for me. The reason you see me be me mm-hmm. um, is because I am that passionate. Mm-hmm. When I really believe in something or when I get really frustrated or when I get really angry, you know, I I go up and down, I go through these peaks and valleys of emotion. That's just how I'm built and the person that I am. And the worst thing for me is when I am ambivalent because when I'm ambivalent, it means I don't care. And when I don't mm-hmm, care, mm-hmm. then I don't really care if I do well or not and I don't care if anyone else does. I don't do anything at my best when I'm in that place. Is that the time when you know you need to make a change? Some times or it's the time that I know that I'm not being genuine about what I'm doing, that it's not mm, the right fit okay. for me. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. if it's working on something, like, yeah, this isn't the right fit for me because I'm not that vested. I don't feel that invested in this project, so that's not a good project for me. Mm-hmm. And it's always a good course corrector. But it was never about a TV show for me. It was really about sharing whatever it is I know my successes and my failures. I've been very open about everything and helping people get out of their own way so they can be a success, whatever that looks like for them. I believe that we all have this genius inside ourselves. If we would just let it come out, we all have it. We all deserve happiness and success, whatever that looks like for us. It's different for all of us. And that's what's so magical about it. My success may not be yours right? and yours isn't the next person's. And we need to figure out, right, get clarity around what success looks like for us. What is success for us? And then just bust the walls down and go for it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So much of it, I think, is that goal setting. Like you said, what is it that we want? And yeah, it's it really is just such an amazing process and, and journey. And I know you said, you know, it all happened for a reason and it felt easy and that sort of thing, but, you know, everything you've achieved. But part of me wonders if it's like, man, you really put in the work and the time. And, and like you said, you built that confidence muscle. And I feel like once you reach that is when I think, like you said, when the doors open, you know, it's like, it just seems like that for you. Like you put in that, you know. I busted my ass. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I still do. Being offered my own show was easy. That conversation of Bravo saying, we really like you. Would you be interested in having your own show? That was easy. Mm-hmm. Actually making the show working on the show, producing the show, going through the emotions of the show, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. So just to clarify for everyone out there, I have and I continue to bust my ass for what I believe in, mm-hmm. right? That's part of being passionate and part of being an entrepreneur and part of being a creative. The opportunity to get my show, yeah, that was easy, but I also know that out of every show out there that is piloted, most of them don't make it to air. Really? Most of them don't make it past one season. If you make it past one season, you should celebrate. To make it six seasons is beyond Yeah. because most don't make it that far. Yeah. So, yes, the opportunity came to me 
right? And that's kind of where it goes to, for people listening, if that opportunity came to you, would you let self-doubt, fear, I'm not good enough, what would you let stop you or would you just go blind faith the way I did? Sure, why not? Mm -hmm. Let's give it a whirl, right? Mm -hmm. The worst thing that could have happened is that nothing happened. The worst thing that could have happened is they gave me a show, I filmed it, and it sucked. Who cares? Exactly. Right? Right. Who cares? I go back to my business, I go back to my salon, I go back to my life, and I had a great little adventure for a while. Yeah. But if you don't say yes, you're always going to live in this place of what if, what if it had have worked or what if it could have happened. So you have to kind of, you know, take that step and use the courage to go. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was doing when I started filming my own show because my show was different to being on a competition show, right? All of a sudden it was totally different. I was involved in the production I became an executive producer on my show. Oh, that's cool. Because I cared. So I wanted to sit down and talk to the team. I wanted to give them direction. I wanted to not just give my input, be involved in every part of it because that was really important for me. Mm -hmm. But the easy part is sometimes saying yes. The hard part is putting all the work in. Mm -hmm. It's true. And that was the same with my opportunity. This is a little bit obviously on a smaller scale, but I remember when the SBE team asked me if I would host the podcast, it was sort of that similar like, yes, of course, and also like, uh, I have no idea how to host a podcast, (laughs) like, but I'm going to figure it out real quick. You know, it's like, yeah, it is. Look, it's exactly the same thing. It's not on a smaller scale. We all have, right, bigger and smaller. It doesn't matter. It's all the same in the emotion. It doesn't matter if it's someone asking you out on a date, right? And you're like, oh, no, shouldn't do that. Not going to have that. No, I'm not good enough. I I look like crap today, right? That could be your soulmate. Mm -hmm. And you said no. Mm -hmm. You don't know what it is. Or saying no to that client because, uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll get back to them later, right? It's saying yes to opportunities and then figuring out, how you need to handle it when you go through it. It's like if someone said, can you do this kind of photograph when you're saying all I do is, you know, portraits or all I do is still life and someone's asking you to do something totally out of your comfort zone and you're just saying no without having curiosity and leaning mm-hmm. into it, mm-hmm. you may have lost a whole new avenue for yourself or something that you really love. We have to learn to say yes more and trust ourselves. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. And you figure it out along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you exactly. don't know what, do- exactly. right? You don't know what doors <laughs> it opens, but life has this strange thing. You figure it out. Yep. Yep. Right. That's where the confidence comes in. You have to have the courage to act. So the courage is yes. Even if I don't know what the hell I'm doing, yes. And then the confidence comes when you've done it a little bit time. You're like, oh, that wasn't half bad. Next time I'll do it this way, it'll make it even better. And the time after that, I'll do it like this because mm-hmm. then it will be even better. It's just having the courage to say yes. Yep, you're exactly right. And, and that kind of leads me into asking if you'll share a little bit about what you're going to be teaching for the Portrait Masters Conference because I know some of it has to do with like busting through that fear. It does. You know, it's something I'm really passionate about is is helping especially entrepreneurs, get out Mm -hmm. of their own way, Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
right? Like look at things differently. So that's what I'm going to be sharing with everyone. Tips that I have to overcome that fear, get out of your own way, build that confidence and courage so that you can really live up to your full potential and have the business that you want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm excited to hear your talk. I think it's going to be wonderful and powerful. I mean, that's that's like everything you're saying. It's just so important. So important. Yeah, we all suffer from it. You know, we all we all suffer from that self-doubt and that gremlin that lives in our head. We all have a gremlin. So it's learning how to make friends with the gremlin and move forward in spite of them. Yep, I love it. Well, listen, Tabitha, I always ask the same four questions at the end of each podcast episode, and I'll, I'll alter them a little bit because obviously, you know, you're not doing photo shoots, but would you mind answering these questions for me? Sure. Okay, cool. So number one is what is something you can't live without? Normally we would say in a photo shoot, but I'm just going to say in your business, like what's one of the most important things that you have to have with your business? Passion. Mm-hmm. It, it always has to be passion for me. I can see why. And like I said, just, you know, I feel like everything that you do and teach, like I, you can truly feel the passion in your TV show or in your book. Like it's, yeah, I feel like that probably is. Yeah, that's my number one ingredient. I know, you know, we all like our equipment a certain way or our setup a certain way or our team and, and that's all great. But honestly, I could walk in and color hair with mud or cut with you know, kitchen scissors, if I had to, it wouldn't be my first choice, but I would do it as long as I had passion. Yeah, I love it. Okay, number two, how do you spend your time when you're not working? Oh, that's such a good question. (laughs) I'm like, do you Um, not work? (laughs) I work a lot, but that's only because I enjoy what I do. So I'm always doing some kind of work in some way. I love to cook. So cooking is a great outlet for me. And I love cooking. I love traveling. Mm-hmm. I don't do enough of it personally, but traveling is a great thing for me. And reading. Mm-hmm. It's always expanding knowledge. Very cool. I know. I can't wait till we can travel again. <laughs> me too. Uh, okay, number three. What's your favorite inspirational quote? Oh, I have so many. I'm such a quote queen. Are I you? love them. <laughs> One of my favorite ones that has been with me for months, so I'm going to use this one, is by Viktor Frankl. And it's when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Mm, Very wise words. And I love that one, especially everything that everyone is going through at the moment. You know, we feel like I think we give up our power a lot and we use that phrase, oh, well, I can't change it, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or I'm just going to go with the flow because I can't change it anyway. I hate that. You may not be able to change the situation, but you can always change yourself. And doesn't that go back to the whole taking responsibility, owning it? Yeah, absolutely. We have to take responsibility and we're responsible for our thoughts and our actions and our deeds, every single thought, action and deed that we have, right? So if we don't like the last one, we can change the next one. We're in control of that. Yep, sure are. Okay, number four, what would you say to people who are just getting started out with their business? I'm a big planner, right? So I think I will go to clarity. You have to have clarity, even if it feels really big, right? Even if it feels like 
I'm asking you to stretch to kind of the end goal of what your business looks like, what your clients look like, what your work looks like, what your income looks like. But I want you to step into that because you need to take ownership of it. And it allows you to then move backwards and put all the steps into place. So it's one of my favorite things to work on with my coaching clients. I make them build the dream and get comfortable in it so that as it starts to happen, it doesn't feel like a new pair of shoes. It feels like an old pair of slippers. I love this, Tabitha. Build the dream first. So build the dream. Build the dream first. Even Mm -hmm. if it feels big and crazy and exorbitant and out there, build it Mm -hmm. and really vividly build it. Imagine what the money will feel like and imagine what the work will look like and imagine what the clients are going to say and imagine how they're going to feel when they look at the work you've done. And just imagine all of the big picture of it and then just keep moving through all of those steps. So as it happens, you're already living, breathing and feeling what your dream is. So it feels comfortable to you. You have less resistance. Okay. So last question is where can people find you online? TabithaCoffee.com, TabithaCoffee at Facebook and TabithaCoffee at Instagram. I follow you on Instagram. Well, thank you. <laughs> I've been a little quiet lately. I go through peaks and valleys of that yeah, as well. <laughs> same, same. I feel like it's so good to have a mental break sometimes. Yeah, it's look, it's good to step back and, and work on other things, which mm-hmm. is what I'm doing at the moment. But I'll be back on Insta soon. <laughs> For sure. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Really, really appreciate you taking time out from your schedule. And I cannot wait to listen to you on September 21st. 9 a.m. Pacific time for the Portrait Masters Conference. Amazing. And thank you for having me today. It was great to talk to you. Yep, you as well. Awesome. Cool. We'll, we'll hear from you on September 21st. See everyone then. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. It's only $35, and there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love. And there are posing downloads, lighting downloads. I mean, truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.